Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. My name's Rick. If I've not met you before, I'm the campus pastor here. We're thrilled that you've chosen to join us uh, in Brampton, one of our Portico campuses. And yes, we are walking for coldest night of the year. So I, I, I just, I'm going to offer my toque to anyone this morning here. So, so you can walk to, who's, <laughs> hey, who's got it? Raj has got it right there. Raj, we got a winner right there. Uh, so if you want to register to walk, please do. So we're going to be Although I know some of you are confused, my name is under the Mississauga campus. I wear a lot of hats around the church, and one of them is I coordinate all of our serve outreach ministries. So I registered under, it looks like I'm going to be in Mississauga. Don't worry. I know where, I know where the heart of Portico is. It's right here, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so I will, I will be with Regenerate. I will be in Brampton next week. I, I, my name is organizing over, over the, uh, the, uh, the walk that is taking place in Mississauga, but I will be right with us next week at Regeneration, 4 o'clock. Join us there. Sign up. Make sure you get some other people to sponsor you as well so we can give as much money as we can to Regeneration as they do some amazing things in our community. Uh, one other announcement that I did want to make you aware of as well. Uh, two weeks ago when we had our all-campus broadcast, we made the announcement that our, our worship pastor, Pastor Colin, walking back there with the awesome toucan, he is taking over our young adult ministries for all of Portico, and we really love that. Yeah, give it up for Colin. And uh, they had a meeting last week just to talk about what Young Adults is going to look like. This Sunday night, we are kicking off a brand new feel and look and experience at Young Adults. So if you feel like you are a young adult, um, Neil, do you feel young? No, Neil, Neil, doesn't, Neil doesn't feel young. Um, uh, I, I don't know who else. Who else my, is there anyone that feels young? Armin feels young. All right, Joyce feels young. Colin, can they come? No, okay. <laughs> if you, our young adult ministries are typically for those who have just finished high school and are in their uh, late teens, early 20s. Uh, some might even be in their late 20s, but join it. There's, gonna, there's food, there's discussion, there's music. Some of, our, some of our young adults from our campus here will be helping to give some of the leadership there and some from other campuses as well. It's going to be a fantastic night, so make sure you are there this evening, young adults, to be with Colin Eden as we start our brand new young adults ministry. Well, you were designed for something. Did you know that? Some of you do. Some of you are like, I'm not sure. I was designed. I'm, is it, was anyone designed to be sitting on a couch? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some couch sitters. Was anyone designed to hibernate when it's snowing? Yeah, me. Yes, absolutely. Was anyone designed to shovel? Anyone? You were designed to, You can come to my house uh, next time it shovels because I was not designed to shovel. I am much more of a wimp when it comes to snow. We are getting into a brand new series over the next couple months, and the series is it's Dare to be Different. You, we want to inspire people to be red umbrella people when the world is full of black um, umbrella people. We don't want to be people that just blend into what everybody else is doing. We want to figure out what we were designed to do and shine like the red umbrella people, like this little guy right here who was, was designed for running. We, we, we want to be people who figure out 
what is the red umbrella that God has created you for and to live your life on purpose. So this morning before we get into our series, I wanted to have a little bit of fun and we're going to play a little bit of a quiz game and find out what some of the people in our campus were designed for, or at least what I feel you might have been designed for. So go ahead, uh, graphics team, throw up, that, throw up that first picture. We've got people who are there. This is, this is a Saturday morning. Uh, can we, can we uh, celebrate some of our volunteers <laughs> celebrating at Regeneration on a Saturday morning? So these people, do we feel that these people are serving at Regeneration because A, they are fantastic cooks. That's what they were designed for. Is it B, they want to make a difference in our community? Or are those people serving C, they are all Ministry of Transportation employees and they love to keep people waiting in line? Is that, is that what that one is? Uh, C, yeah, that's right. We got a lot of C. So thank you for doing the Ministry of Waiting in Line. Thank you for that. Uh, we've got some of, our, some of our worship arts team. Where, where is it? Here's some of our worship arts. Can we tell, uh, vol- thank you for our worship arts team. You guys are servants. Jared's up there, two hands. Do they serve on our worship arts team because A, they all have musical ability? Is it B, they have a heart to lead worship? Or is it C, uh, they, need, they were cut from Canadian Idol and they needed a new gig? Is that, is that why you guys, C, yeah, you guys, you guys are all cut. So thank you for making this your new gig. We really appreciate having, having you guys here. Uh, next one, we have uh, these two ministry partners. This, this was our summer outreach. We did a party in the park. And are these two ministry partners smiling because A, so many people came to our party in the park and we had hundreds of people there? Was it B, they just love serving at church? Or was it C, because when no one is looking, they're stealing popcorn from the children? Is that <laughs> C, yeah. Where's Michael? Is Michael here? Is, yeah. My, were you stealing popcorn from children? Yes, that's a yes. Okay. <laughs> he says no. I, well, the majority rules. Okay, last one here. Uh, we, every, Saturday, every Sunday morning at 7 o'clock a.m., we arrive with the trailer, and, and we start unloading, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. So are these people helping with the trailer because A, they are big and strong? Is it B, because they have a truck that can pull the trailer? Or is it C, they are part-time thieves and need access to a trailer on, on, on weekends? <laughs> C, so thank you. Our, our worship pastor is a thief. Okay, good. Good, good, good to know. <laughs> Listen, we believe that each one of us, and that means each one of you, you were designed to lead and serve in a unique way. And we all have gifts, talents, abilities mixed with our experience that will help us fulfill the plan that God has designed for us to lead out in this life. And we're going to be studying the book of Nehemiah over the next two months. And we're going to see how Nehemiah looked around his world and his society. And and he said, I am not going to just do what everybody else is doing. I'm not going to respond like other people respond. I'm not going to go with the flow. I am going to step into a need that God has uniquely gifted and crafted me to step into. And as, as our, our ministry team this morning, all the ministry partners who were serving in to make today happen, as we gather together to pray this morning, here's what was on our hearts. I want to share this with you, is that we believe over the next couple of months, God is going to speak to your heart. And whether it's you're sitting in a service or whether you're in a growth group time or you're just doing your own study, The whole church is going to be praying that God speaks individually to people and starts to stir something with inside you, begins to bring a little bit of unrest. And you're going to say, I am no longer going to accept life the way that it's given to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow this need to go unmet because God has uniquely gifted me to step into that. And we're not going to be asking you to come. And if you come to me and say, hey, hey, Rick, I've got a great idea. Here's what I want the church to do. You know what I'm going to say? 
that's a fantastic idea. Do you know who the church is? You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, are not, we are not looking for make work projects for the church to do. We, the, the church is best set up so that we can empower and equip the people, the church, to go and be the kingdom and bring light and life to places where the organized church will never meet and where, where we'll never step into. And we are going to believe together that God is going to do some amazing things in our community through the work of the Holy Spirit as he begins to stir something new in you. I believe we have potential to make a mark on our society. Do you? Do you some don't. Do you believe that God has potential to make a mark on our society? I believe it too. And you know, it won't actually be if Colin sings louder and it won't actually be if we have more lights. It will be when you and I figure out how God has uniquely gifted and designed us to lead out his kingdom in the world. I want to show you a video this morning of some, some people. Their names are Sergio and Nancy uh, Bersaglia. They're just average Canadians who 50, 18 years ago heard the voice of God starting to stir something within them and they said they, they began to step into not even a local need but an international need and they have seen God change and impact lives over the last couple of decades in ways they could never imagine. I want to share you a, qu- a quick update from some of our missions partners in what God has done in their life as they stepped into a need. Go ahead and roll that video. We want to go where there's a need. And then we like to place ourselves in the middle of that need and, and we like to partner with a local church while we do that. Because at the core of everything that we're doing is always to make sure that Christ's love is being shown. And that the children, as well as the people in the community, understand that we're here because God loves them. And we love them too. Both Serge and I were impacted by what we'd seen. We'd never seen that kind of extreme poverty and in such huge numbers. They estimated at that time between 40 and 60,000 children alone, never mind the adults, living in the surrounding areas. Most of them clearly weren't going to school. Many clearly weren't well or weren't maybe getting the nutrition they needed. We both felt that we would like to do something maybe that could make a difference. We provide schooling. We have clinics, uh, we have feeding programs, and we have children's homes. We provide all of those things free of charge, and uh, as I said, we do it in an environment of, of God's love. They understand that we're not an orphanage. They understand that we actually are evangelism in many ways in the truest sense, because when these kids see what what's being done for them because of God's love and they're they're early on in life being given the opportunity to invite Jesus into their hearts that's that's pure Christianity that's pure religion we were given $1,200 cash and told there you go dream big so, and we really laugh about that now because it's amazing to see what God did with just that little bit of seed money. And we still, after 18 years, are amazed at the things that are happening in the ministry in all of the villages of hope.
Villages of Hope is an organization that we support as some of our, our international mini, um, ministry partners. And we actually have another team that is going this year, not to, not to Serge and Nancy's uh, Village of Hope, but one that's going to Tanz- Tanzania. And the amazing thing about their story is they just decided to go on a missions trip and the, the need that they saw sparked something within them. And they said, we can never live the same way. And so they said, we will start a Village of Hope. And like they said, $1,200 and dream big. <laughs> this is all was the beginning of something that has, as you've seen now, grown into a place where there are thousands of children and families who have been impacted because they listened to the voice of the Spirit that was speaking to them when they saw a need and said, we will no longer allow this need to go unmet. We will do something about it. Mark Twain said this, The two most important days in your life are the day that you are born and the day that you find out why. We believe that over the next couple of months, there will be some people through through the course of these services that will find out why God created you. So this morning, we're going to spend another 20 minutes together, and we are going to take some high-level applications from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, and maybe if we can see how God spoke to him and how Nehemiah found out why he was born, maybe we can start to make some applications into our own lives. So go ahead and grab your, your notes, whether they be in your app or whether they be in the bulletin. We're going to have four points this morning that we can challenge our own thoughts with, and if you have your Bibles open, you're going to want to leave it in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. You've got some notes printed in your bulletin, and you have some that we'll just go into the scriptures for. So here's the first thought this morning as we get into Nehemiah 1. We need to identify a need that resonates with you. Now to fully comprehend what's going on in this text, in the book of, of Nehemiah, historical context is going to be important from us. And some of us who have studied the Bible for a long time, we may have that. Some of you who are maybe newer to the Bible, you may not have the historical context. So I'm going to take you back to 605 BC, 605 years before Christ. And remember, so now these numbers are going to get smaller as the years go on. So we're going to go 605 and then we're going to track for about 70 years. Here's what's going on. Babylon conquers Egypt. Egypt was the big world power and Babylon conquered Egypt and they take over all of Egypt's rule. So they had all these countries that they were that they were dominating and that included Israel. So we're going to go back just before uh, 600, 605 BC. And so Israel, who had been paying uh, taxes and, and, and been under Egypt's rule, they now become under Babylon's rule. And Babylon is where it's modern-day Iran, modern-day Iraq, not 100% sure, but it would have, uh, would have encapsulated most of those countries. And so Israel, for five years, they're, they're okay. They just exist as their own nation. But then they begin to rebel. They want their own independence. And of course, Babylon is not going to love that because they love, having, um, they love having countries that would be subservient to them because they're getting money from them. They're able to come and take whatever they want from them. So then um, Babylon comes in and they begin to have this, this war going on. And by 598 BC, the temple is stripped of all the gold. So the, this, the Israel's temple had been crafted and lined with gold everywhere, riches everywhere. So uh, the, the Persians come in, take on take away everything that's, that's in, the, in that temple there. They take away the best warriors of all of Israel. They take away the best tradespeople, and they bring them back to Babylon. They come back two years later, and then they just set up a perimeter all around Israel. And so for a couple of months, they don't let any food come in. They don't let any tradespeople come in. So then Israel begins to starve, and they don't know what they're going to do. So they say, all right, 
with whoever's less, we're going to have to take on the strongest army in the world. So imagine if the United States or, or, or China or whomever we would say is the biggest army right now would come and just surround Ontario and say, you don't get anything imported, you don't get anything exported, we're just going to keep you until you just kind of have to take us on. And that's what happened. And so quickly they, they lost and uh, Babylon tore down all of the walls of, of Israel. They destroyed the temple and most of the major buildings. And they took back most of the young, wealthy, able people. And they brought them back to work and be slaves in Babylon. During this time, some of the, some of the stories that we get out of the Old Temple, the really cool, uh, the Old Testament, some of the really cool stories take uh, take place. We've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were three young men who, who, who refused to participate in the king worship that was, that was going on in Babylon. So they were going to be thrown into this fire and burned alive because they refused to bow down. And the fire was so hot, remember, it even burned the people who were tasked with throwing them into the fire. But these three men survived. And what was witnessed is that there was a fourth man, who, a man who appeared to be an angel, appeared in that fire. And so, they, so then they came out. During these 70 years while they're in Babylon, Daniel, the story all of Daniel, takes, takes place. And Daniel's thrown into a den of hungry lions and they don't eat him. And then so he comes out. And then the people that manipulated the situation so that Daniel had been thrown in, they get thrown in the lion's den and they, uh, and they get all e- eaten up. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, the king, at uh, one time he, he sets himself up and says, no one is as wise and as great as me, not even God. At that moment, he loses his sanity and he lives as a wild animal for a couple of years until he, until he admits that he doesn't have, uh, th- that, that um, he needs God and then his sanity is, is restored. Some amazing things happening in this, uh, in this nation during during this time, there was a vision of God's hand writing on the wall, <laughs> and one of the kings, and, and the vision was interpreted that uh, the king's days were going to be numbered, and just that very night, the king was killed. So God was revealing himself to the Babylonians to the point where when some of the Israelites said, can we go back and worship this God, the same God that appeared in the flames where the three men should have died, the same God that protected Daniel, the same God that took away your king's sanity, the same God that wrote on the wall with a, with, with, with a hand that just appeared, this God wants us to go back to Israel and restore the temple and build it back up. And so if we go back to that, if we go back to that timeline, what we, what we see is that uh, 70 years later, just before 500 BC, under King Cyrus, they begin to go back and they begin to rebuild the temple. And so the Jews are not only released to go back, but they bring all of the gold that had been taken from the temple, anything that was stolen, they're, they're allowed to go back. But some of the Jews are forced to stay, and some of them choose to stay. Because you, as you can imagine, you've been living in a new country for 70 years. You've been starting to establish your family for 70 years. Some of them had jobs. Some of them had high-ranking jobs. So that they stayed in Babylon, but some went back to Israel with the task of rebuilding the city. And because, of, um, the, because there was some uh, conflict going on ar- around them, some just because they didn't follow through, they rebuilt the temple partially, but that's all that had happened. So we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 1. So God has been doing amazing things all throughout the country. They have been permissioned to go back. And Nehemiah wants to hear, what's going on in my homeland? Because I believe that God is doing great things, but I don't really know what's going on. So turn with me, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. This is Nehemiah. He sees Hanai. 
Hen and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. So Judah is this southern kingdom of, of Israel, and he just, just came back. I'd ask them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble, here's the word, and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, which they knew, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The things that they were allowed to rebuild, they had not rebuilt. rebuilt. For some of us, this might resonate more deeply with others, I would assume. Some of you may have, some of you may have moved here from a different country and then you would have somebody who would go back to visit or you will go back and then when you come back, there's this anticipation, how's the church doing back home? Is the church doing well? Is the church thriving? Is God doing what we would expect and want him to do in, in, in our families and in our churches and in our communities back home? And sometimes there's this report that is given that said, no, actually things aren't going well. There's been, new, there's been new laws and we're not allowed to worship freely or, or things aren't going the way that we would have anticipated in the church or there's, or there, or there's, or there's corruption. And, and just, you know these feelings of this, it's disheartening to hear when the church isn't stepping into the places where it is supposed to step into. And Nehemiah had been hopeful that God's people would have stepped into the fullness of what they had been permissioned and the opportunity that they had been given and that God wanted them and had called them to do. But God's people stopped short and they said, we're okay with just having the temple a little bit built up, but we're not going to do everything that God had asked them to do. And this is the premise of this series, that we, the church, we have stopped short of establishing the kingdom of God on earth the way that we have been permissioned and called to do. We have established maybe a, a place of worship. We have, we, 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 have bring, we have brought part of the kingdom into the place where God would have wanted us to, but we have stopped short of stepping into the fullness of everything that God has called us to do. And maybe, maybe some of it is because we haven't heard him correctly. Maybe some of it is because we've gotten distracted. Maybe some of it is because we faced opposition just like the Israelites had. But that did not stop Nehemiah and, and from saying, I will not stand for the kingdom of God to stop short. I will not, I will not um, accept that God's people haven't stepped into the place where they have supposed to. See, we spend a great deal of energy getting this Sunday experience ready, and we can have fantastic worship times together, but we miss the greater picture of what God is doing because we're focused on maybe just making this place good enough. Or this place satisfactory for us. This is what the people of Israel had done. They had gone back and they had rebuilt the temple, but they had not established the kingdom the way God had asked them to establish the kingdom. And this is why we need to reflect. What has God called you to? Individually, personally. Not what has God God called Portico to? What, What has God called you to? Where has he called you to establish his kingdom, and maybe we haven't really thought that through, or maybe we've been a little fearful to step into the place where God has uniquely gifted us and called us to step into. Is there a need that resonates more deeply with you than it does with others? Like, when you, when you hear about a need, when you, when you experience it, when you see this need, is, is there something that just tweaks your heart that doesn't tweak other people's hearts the same way? Like, Maybe you see those pictures of like the, the dogs that are sick and you just start bawling and crying. We need to do something for that dog. A- anybody? You're a dog? Good. Yeah, we have a few dogs. Yeah, a, a few people. 
and you just can't figure out why nobody else cares about the dog video. It's because that resonates more deeply with you. Or maybe you can't stand, you, we just had Bell Let's Talk Day. Maybe, maybe it's depression and loneliness that, that really just, it, every day you walk around going, I can't believe that our society is so depressed, that our society is so lonely. Maybe it's homelessness and, 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 and poverty. You can't understand why not everyone is walking with us this Saturday. Maybe it's, maybe it's broken families. I, I don't know what it is. What is the need that resonates more deeply on your heart than it seems to with other people? And have you ever questioned that maybe that's God that has put that on your heart? The organized church will never have the time, resources, or access to fulfill and meet every need in our society and step into every place where God wants to establish his kingdom. But the amazing thing is that individual members of the church have unique access and abilities to bring life and freedom into places that we collectively and organized will never step into. And Babylon had permission Israel to rebuild, but Israel needed a leader who would step up. And have you ever considered that the need that's on your heart, the thing that resonates with you, will only ever be filled when you step up to meet it? And you've been, you've been waiting for somebody else to organize people, but God's like, no, I've actually permissioned and, 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 and gifted you to step into that need. I, stop waiting for somebody else in the kingdom to do it. Don't you understand that you are the church? I have gifted you to step into that place. This, th this week in our, in our growth groups, we're going to be studying the story of Esther and Mordecai. And this was another time in Israel's history where God's people were threatened and, and th God needed somebody to step up and lead. And stepping up had risk for Esther. She was going to risk her position. She might even risk her life if she stepped into the place where God called her to step into. But here's what Mordecai said to Esther. The, and these, are, these are powerful words. Listen to them with the context of, could God possibly be saying this to you in Esther 4 and 14? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews, relief and deliverance for God's people will arise from another place. But you and your father's family, they'll, they'll perish. They'll, they'll pass on. But who knows? You, maybe you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Maybe you have been placed where you are for such a time as this so that you could step into a need where God has asked you to step into. Is there something that resonates on your heart and on your mind? And have you considered that the Holy Spirit may be tweaking your heart for this time and for this purpose? If that be true, then let's move on to number two. If there's something that resonates with us, then we need to seek to understand God's perspective on the need. I have a number of issues that really resonate with me, that really get me going. For instance, I hate snow. Anybody with me? I, I, I hate it. I am passionately against snow. If I could hibernate, I would. If I could holiday in Florida for three months and just be gone, I love our country from March until November. I, I am a passionate Canadian for nine months a year, and then three months of the year, I am tolerant Canadian, is, is what I am. I'm also very passionate about the product hummus. Is anybody a hummus lover? Like, I put hummus on, on every, I, add, I add hummus to tuna. You should try this before you judge me now. It's called huna, hummus and tuna. You, you stir it together. It's very wonderful. And, like, and you don't listen, you don't need butter, you don't need mayo on bread, or, just hummus on everything. Just try it. It's a very wonderful product. There's, there's a lot of needs that resonate with me, but I'm not sure that God's heart for uh, 
avoiding snow and hummus and tuna is, is the same as my heart for a, a, a those things would be. But if there's a need, something like, there's, there's, there's a need that's on my heart about making sure that family relationships are established well and, and supporting brokenness in families, that need might resonate with not just myself, but that need might resonate with God as well. So Nehemiah 1.4, when, when he heard what was happening with the kingdom back home, here's what we read. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. So Nehemiah sees this need. He hears about this need and he says, Lord, I'm going to seek your face on this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to hear what your spirit might be saying to me about stepping into the need. If the first season was a season of observation, finding out what the needs are, the second is a season of preparation where he would prepare himself to do what God would have called him to do. If your personality is like mine, if you enter into a series like this where we're studying Nehemiah, you might be ready to quit your job and abandon everything about life and say, I will go now, Lord. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go. We need to mobilize it. Out we go. Quit our jobs. Forget about family. Let's just do it. You've called us to do it. Well, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not quitting, I'm not leaving my family. But I'm, say, I'm saying you, if, you are, if you have a reactionary personality, you might step into something right away because you see, here's a need, then we may as well just jump right in there. But that's not what Nehemiah did. That's not, that's not what we see here in scripture. Nehemiah goes into a season of prayer. Nehemiah goes into a season of preparation. Uh, God, show me what your heart is for the area that you want me to step into. I'm not gonna do anything yet. I'm just going to allow you to begin to speak to me. If God is calling you to step into something, then we need to go into a season of preparation. It probably doesn't start today. The preparation can start today, but the calling, the season, doesn't necessarily step uh, work today. I run, I run triathlons. I love to compete. I love to push myself. I love the energy of a race. I love the post-race snacks that we receive. There's like all kinds of wonderful food. There's everything about racing I love. But if I didn't go through seasons of preparation, if I didn't spend my winter training and all, all the months, if I, don't, if I don't get my diet right, if I don't get my training right, if I don't get my mind right, when I get to race day, it is going to be an awful mess. I'm going to be in pain. I'm not going to be able to finish. It's, I'm not even going to be able to enjoy the post-race snacks. So th- it would be a horrible loss all around. If I didn't go into the season of preparation, if you're called to do something that's worthwhile, it's probably going to be difficult. And everything, anything that is worthwhile will have a challenge associated with it. And you will never perform like God designed you to perform unless you prepare like God designed you to prepare. And if God is calling you to something, the first step is an action. The first step is preparation. And as you prepare, as you prepare to move forward, this brings us to our third point, is that we need to move forward with humility. We can't, we can't move forward in arrogance saying, God has called me to do, I, I'm just going to step in and solve the world's problems because the Holy Spirit spoke to me on Sunday, February 17th, so no preparation, and here I go. Everybody, follow with me. And this, this, one, is, this one is super key because nobody can step into a need And nobody can meet a need without intimately understanding the need and the people who are experiencing the need. 
The Brasaglios could not step in to, to, to go to Zambia and say, hey, we're two Canadians from the west coast of BC, but we have solutions for everything that you will experience in your life. Just listen to us. We'll tell you how it works. No. <laughs> they had to go through a couple of years of preparation and, and study to really understand what is the need of, of, of family and, and, and education in Zambia. Let me go live there, and let me begin to experience what they experienced. Because if you don't have the respect and the understanding of the people that you seek to serve, to the need that you seek to meet, then your voice becomes extremely meaningless, and at times your voice becomes judgmental. It is arrogance to say, I have a solution for those who, have, who are living with a problem that you have never experienced. To say, I can tell you how to fix your life, I don't know what you've experienced. That's an arrogant statement. So look what Nehemiah does. He chooses to include himself in the sin that Israel had experienced. For those who had, they were not living the life that God had designed them to live. He wasn't even living in Israel at the time. He was living in Babylon, but he chooses to include himself in their story. Nehemiah 6 and 7. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. He wasn't even there, but he says, I've sinned against you, Lord. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. And if, if you go right back to Moses, there was the law of Moses, and the whole mission was to establish Israel in this promised land. Remember, they were in Egypt. Let my people go that they may worship me. And then he shows them this promised land. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to establish my people here. You're going to set up the temple, and you're going to set up my city and Nehemiah recognizes we have not fulfilled what God has called us to. And if you and I are not willing to include ourselves in the stories of those who need, our voice will never have relevance. This is an important weekend for our, our family because our family celebrates our adoption day on this family day weekend. When we go back years ago, this was, this was the year that uh, we, became, we became a family through adoption. And uh, so we, we have lots of different celebrations that we go on. We have lots of feelings that are going on in our, our family. And I have, a, I have experienced what adoption feels like from one perspective. And I say it's one of the most amazing ways that you can start a family. You, you choose to have love for one another. You have, you have different experiences that biological families would never go through, both good experience and difficult experience. You have the opportunity to rely on people in a way that you would have never imagined. And in fact, it's the best representation of how God brought us into relationship. He chooses to love us even when he did not know us or even when we did not know him. And he says, I've adopted you into my family. And he chooses to have relationship with us. I serve on a couple of different adoption uh, agencies across, across the province. And I, I serve families. And I work with professionals. And I work with agencies. And one of the amazing things about this one organization that I, that I volunteer with, that I've actually found to be the most beneficial for a lot of our families, is that nobody can participate in the organization without personally experiencing and understanding the foster and adoption world, whether it be a worker, whether it be a child, whether it be a parent. Because we understand that people outside of our world will have all kinds of experiences and, and ideas of what they think might, might, might work for us, but don't know the challenges, the specific feelings that we have and the specific feelings that we face. And if you, if, 
we emphasize, we need to know that we have to truly understand the thoughts that another might have before we go to serve them. And when Nehemiah spent time in preparation, you know what, you know what he began to understand? He began to identify with people and he realized the wall isn't actually the problem. It's that the people had sinned. There was brokenness between them and God. The wall wasn't the issue that they needed to fix. But he didn't see that. What initially wrecked Nehemiah was that the wall hadn't been rebuilt. But then as he spent time in a season of preparation, God, show, he, God showed him and he began to see, oh, this is that the people haven't realized what God had called them to. And the need that he was going to meet wasn't going to be just a wall. In fact, we'll read in a couple of weeks, he was actually able to construct the wall pretty quickly. But it was the brokenness of relationship that was the need that actually needed to be met. And that didn't happen until he stepped into that story and said, Ah, God, thank you for, thank you for showing me what the need is as I stepped into the story of the people who were experiencing and that requires being humble enough to say, Lord, you may have gifted me and you may have called me. And this, this need resonates with me. I've, I've observed it. I've prepared for it. But I need to have a, a season of stepping in to the journey with people before I could ever seek to meet that need. Which brings us to our last point, And our band is going to return and lead us in a song that has really been on, on Colin's heart. And our last point is this, that we need to embrace our life's purpose. You and I are called to step into situations and bring God's kingdom on earth. And it will require that, it will require having the faith that God has actually designed you to do that. And God will actually resource you to do that. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus taught us that it was, it's actually God that owns all the, re, all the resources. He says he owns the cattle on a thousand hilltops, right, in, in, uh, in Psalms. Scripture teaches, and, and God will gift, God will gift us as required. And it will require us entering into a season of expectation. We've got observation, we've got preparation, and then we need to align ourselves with that other, with, with the group of people whom we want to serve. And then we move into this last season of expectation. Nehemiah 1 and 11 says, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. And Nehemiah got ready and he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask the king. I'm going to say, can I go back? And, and I know you've already sent a group of people back, but will you let me specifically go and lead God's people into the place where I believe we need to go? Henry Blackaby said this, we don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. I love that. We don't choose what we do for God. He's inviting us to join us, to, 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 to join him in where he wants to involve us. And the reflection thought this morning is, why would I expect God to raise anyone else up other than me? to fill the need that's on my heart. Well, if God's put it on your heart, why would you wait for somebody else to have it on their heart too? And over these next two months, really what we believe is that God is gonna birth new ministry. 
And God is going to expand his kingdom. Not because Pastor Doug has a new idea and and not because I have a new idea, but because the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And he might speak to your small group or he might speak to your family or just a group group of friends. And and you are going to start to see where God has uniquely positioned you to bring kingdom, to bring light, hope, and life. And it will require great humility and it will require great preparation. But this morning where we want to start over the months where we're going to be continually looking into Nehemiah's story to say, Lord, how, how would we do this? How, how have you modeled how we can step into a need in our, in our society? But where we want to start this morning is where we've just landed here at this last point, expectation. Do you believe that God has the power, that God has the resource, that God will equip you the way that he needs to equip you so that you can be his representatives where he has placed you? Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 